But we're back in Mark chapter 10 today, if you'd like to turn there. Mark chapter 10 in our Dirt Roads series, Mark chapter 10. We're going to be down in verse 17. I'm not going to take up a lot of your time because we do have a couple of things at the end of the service today that we want to do. But the title of today's message is simply this, One Thing You Lack. One Thing You Lack. Let's read Together in Mark chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, great. If not, have maybe an app on your phone. If not, we'll have it on the screen for you. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he, he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. By the way, sometimes looking at someone and loving them includes telling them what they don't want to hear. Jesus is doing that right now. Don't get lost in the the verses. He looks at him, he loves him, and he's about to tell him something he doesn't want to hear. So Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to inherit the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said with men, It is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers, sisters, mothers, children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. For many who are first will be last, and the last first. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. Thank you for it. Holy Spirit, be real in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One thing you lack, Jesus says. This, in the other gospels, it gives a little more details about this man. We did find out from this gospel of Mark that he had a lot of possessions. This man was very rich. This man was affluent. Uh, This man in culture would be uh, very relevant because of his financial status. And by the way, not much has changed in that respect, right? We we somehow give people more respect in our culture and society if they uh, tend to have more money in their bank account. I don't think that's necessarily uh, a biblical thing, but I think it's just a it's just a reality of our culture, and it's not not biblical, but it is. The one thing you lack, Jesus says. 
I don't want to take up a lot of time today. Listen, we have, we have what could possibly be the largest bounce house that I've ever seen before. It's like over 20 feet tall. It's over 40 feet long. I, it's, that's big, man. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know about you. Um, Michelle, we're going to get on a slide together. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we got food, man. We got pelican snowball. I, look, I, so, yeah, yeah. Woke you up over there, said the kid. Uh, but uh, <laughs> here's what I want to do. Will you allow me this morning to skip a little bit of what I would typically do and kind of jump right into an outline? Uh, I'm, typically, I, w- I would like to give you a little bit more background, but I want to jump into the outline this morning. Can we see, first of all, uh, in our text that he asked the wrong question? This rich man, this man that had it all, he asked the wrong question. Can we look in our text and find out why that is so? Look at verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, good teacher, and he asked him this, what shall I do? What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Did you catch that? This educated man, not wanting uh, for money, not lacking anything, probably a self-made man, probably, uh, probably I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I saw this on Wikipedia, this guy uh, started Shark Tank back in their country that day. This was him, right? He was kind of, uh, he, was, he was in that. He was, a, he was a lender, right? This guy had no wants in this life. And he asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. And certainly this man was used to being the doer. What do I have to do? He was the hardworking, successful Burned the candles at both ends, hardworking man who had, who had become successful in all of his doings. And so as with starting his business or as with building his wealth or with anything else in his life, as with that, he says, I did and I saw results. So now what do I need to do to see more results? You see this man, rich in finances, rich in status. He didn't know how to ask the proper question. And I sense this morning that we live in a culture that so rewards doing and so rewards the process of hard work. And I don't think that's a bad thing, by the way. I believe we all ought to teach that. But we do not need to teach that, not understanding that the proper question to ask Jesus when it comes to your eternal salvation is not what shall I do, but rather what has been done that I may inherit eternal life. Or maybe in this specific context, Jesus, what will you do that I may inherit eternal life? For Jesus obviously had not yet made his way to the cross in this context. But at the end of the day, this man asked the wrong question. What do I have to do, God, to get in your good graces. What do I, and by the way, this morning, you may be sitting here and go, well, I've never specifically said it that way. But if we're not careful, it just becomes part of who we are. What more can I do for you, God? I want to do and I want to do and I want to do and I want to do for you. And by the way, this morning, may I say, that's just an unbiblical and un, ungodly and, and an anti-gospel way to live your life. You see, the world's religions can be summed up in two categories. 
There's a lot of religions out there, right? Tons of them. Thousands of religions out there, but they can really be summed up in two categories. Do, what do you have to do? Or done, what has already been done for you? One is either saved by what they do or the other is saved by what someone else has done on their behalf. And I'm thankful today that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace and the gospel of love and justice that we preach every single Sunday is not a gospel of will you come forward and do this? Will you do this? Will you say the right thing? No, the gospel that we preach is Jesus came and did it all for you. And even if you wanted to do it on your own, you couldn't. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. And if we're not careful, we'll ask the wrong question. What do I need to do to receive eternal life, to inherit eternal life? And this morning, that question can be answered simply in one word, and that is absolutely nothing. Nothing can be done on your, uh, by you to inherit eternal life. And I'm thankful today that it's nothing that I have to do and it's nothing that you have to do. For if it were something that we had to do, we would fail. We would fail. John chapter 19 and verse 28, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there. They filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it in his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, this is what he said. He said these three words, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He said, it is done. The work that needs to take place for you to be reconciled to God as a sinful man, it is finished. It is completed. The blood has been shed. It is done. See, this rich man did not even understand the proper question to ask. The question that he asked was, what do I need to do? The question really should have been, what has been done or what will be done for me to inherit eternal life? Everything that needed to be done was done by Jesus. And so our question, church family, is never what do I have to do to be a Christian? Listen, if you're new to our church, can I encourage you with this? It's not what you have to do to be a Christian. Come up to me after the service and say, can you tell me a little bit more about what Jesus has done so that I can be a Christian? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You may have been raised in church cultures where you had to memorize this and you had to do this. You had to cross this T and dot this I and you had to fill out this form and you had to do this when you were an infant. You had to do this when you were a certain age. You had to do this when you were another certain age. This morning, may I say that Jesus did it all. He accomplished it all. And some of you, some of your, your pride doesn't want to admit that. Your pride doesn't want to admit that Jesus paid it all. So he asked the wrong question, but secondly, I want us to see this. He received an unpopular answer. He received an unpopular answer. And I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of close at the end today um, with a challenge from this, but I do want us to see this. Look at verse 18, the next verse of the text, Mark chapter 10, verse 18. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, murder, steal, bear false witness, defraud. Also honor your father and your mother. 
So Jesus said, why are you calling me good? You know these commandments. And the man responds, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. I've done my best to fulfill these commandments. And then Jesus, looking at him, and this is in Jesus' sovereignty. This is in Jesus' full knowledge of what was going on in that man's heart and full knowledge of everything that was going on in that man's life. Jesus looked at him, and he loved him enough to tell him the truth. By the way, some of y'all get mad at people that tell you the truth in love. Jesus is about to tell this guy that he is damned. Or since there's kids in here, he's darned. All right? Um, That's what he's about to tell him. Okay? And he says, he looks at him and he loves him. And he says, one thing you lack. He basically says, you won't get there. You're out of luck. You're up the creek without a paddle. Go your way and sell whatever you have and give it all to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful, sorrowful before he had, that was like a, a Canadian, sorrowful, before he had great possessions. You say, is, is Jesus here teaching that in order for you to come to faith in Christ, that you have to physically go outside and give everything that you own to someone who's less fortunate than you and you have to give away all your possessions in order to inherit the kingdom of God? That, in a, is, at a first grade reading level, that's what we would say, right? Oh, well, that's what Jesus says. Well, then let's go home today and empty out the house and let's find somebody who's less fortunate and give it to them. Uh, and we know that in context, Jesus was not saying this. Uh, thousands of other verses of scripture uh, teach us differently. What was Jesus saying? Uh, we will get to at the end. Uh, Jesus answers this question just not the way this man expected him to answer it. What do you have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says you have to keep the law in its entirety. You have to keep every law. It's, it's sinlessness is what is required in order to inherit eternal life. And so you have to keep every single commandment that is burdensome. No adultery. No murdering. Some of y'all, you're done right there. No murdering. No stealing. No lying. No cheating. Always honoring and obeying your parents. Glad my parents aren't here today. But look, this guy even felt good about those. He's like, hey, I did pretty good at those all the way from when I was a kid. He was a good guy. He says, listen, I'll be honest with you. If we had a church full of people that all of those things, they could be like, don't struggle with this, don't do this, don't do this. Don't. I'd be like, man, wow, what a godly group of people. Man, what a good group of people. And he was a good guy, but verse 21 brings out the reality this morning. And the reality is this, your good is never good enough. Your good is and never will be good enough to inherit eternal life. He brings up the man's riches, and he teaches him this important message in verse 21. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, one thing you lack, you need to go your way, you need to sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven then. Come and take up the cross and follow me. And this man was sad. He turned away sorrowful because he had great possessions. This morning, I'm going to tie in at the end. Thirdly, I want us to see this. Jesus taught an important lesson. He taught an important lesson in this text. 
Verse 23 tells us Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, hey, I'm going to use this as a teaching moment. The disciples were there. They listened to his interaction with this rich man, and he said, I want to teach you something. How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And honestly, they had to be sitting there kind of like, I mean, Matthew's there. And like most of the disciples were like your common blue collar guys, but there were a couple of, I mean, Matthew worked in finance. He was like the IRS of the day. I'm sure he was the favorite disciple by all the others. They're like, wait a minute. How hard is it for those who trust the riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier, verse 25, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And I think if I could put in a quote form, something for you to write down and listen to and, and, and take away this morning, I think this is what, it's, what Jesus is saying. It is difficult for someone who has it all to admit that Jesus paid it all. It is difficult for someone who has it all to admit that Jesus paid it all. When people are so satisfied in their comfort, in their wealth, in their, in their leisure, in their activities of life, when they're comfortable in the place that they live and with what they drive and, and where they are, when they become so comfortable, they rarely are willing to humble themselves enough to recognize their condition without Jesus. You can be the richest and most successful, fill in the blank, this morning. But if you will not humble yourself under the name of Jesus and under the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ this morning, then you will spend an eternity in hell just like anyone else. Earthly riches matter zero in eternity. Earthly riches matter None in eternity. And Jesus teaches a lesson. Remember earlier in chapter 9 and in chapter 10 a little bit, Jesus is teaching lessons on serving the least and the little, the children. This is just part of this. The comparison is if you think you're all that and you got all your money and you got all your fame and you got everything you need, you can't enter the kingdom. You can't enter the kingdom. To pull it all together this morning in the brief time that we've had around God's word. I want to bring up the title verse from verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. You see, for this man... We learned that the one thing that he lacked was a willingness to not worship his money. The one thing he lacked was a willingness to give it all. Because this man had riches. But that's just this man. Jesus is not advocating that everyone go and give everything away. I ask you this morning, if you've never come to faith in Christ, what is the one thing that you lack? You say, what does that mean? Just What is the one thing that is keeping you from repenting 
and believing the gospel. You see, that's what it was for this man. There was one thing that he lacked to believe in the gospel. And you know what? This morning, it could be a variety of different things for you. It could be your wealth and your riches and your comfort, the comfort ability that we all feel in this American culture. It could be that. But for you, it could be something else. It could be hurt. It could be a hurt that you experienced when you were younger. It could be a a bad church experience where you experienced spiritual abuse. It could be the accolades of doing and doing and doing and doing so good as a child. Growing up in Sunday school and getting all the candy and knowing all the verses and being really good at finding the verses first in your Bible. And you just can't get over the fact that you were so good that you really need Jesus. I don't know what it is in your life. It could be that you just never heard the gospel plainly given. And that could be the obstacle. I've never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Well, let me give you an elevator pitch. You ready? We were all born in sin. Thanks, Adam and Eve. We were all born in sin. I don't know if you've seen those memes recently, like Adam, when you see him in heaven. It's like that dude like staring at him like that. Thanks, Adam and Eve. Romans 5 tells us that because of Adam's sin, we were born into this world of sinners by default. Tim that knows to do good and doesn't do it to him and his sin, you can, just, you can just exist and you're a sinner by nature, by default. And that's bad news. And all throughout the Old Testament, there were sacrifices and different uh, rituals that had to be followed in order to atone or pay for those sins. It always involved the shedding of blood, by the way. But God had a plan and he inv- unveiled that plan I believe for the first time in Genesis chapter 3, as soon as the fall happened, I believe he unveiled that plan when the people tried to cover their sins with leaves and, he, and, and God came through and said, no, we don't cover them with leaves. And he, he killed an animal, blood was shed, and he covered them with animal skins. I believe that was the first symbol of what the gospel truly is. That we can't do it. What must I do? We can't do it. Genesis 3 said, no, Jesus has to do it. And so Jesus came. And our sin, Jesus knew our sin, God knew our sin, yet Jesus came and he lived on this earth. He walked on this very earth and he lived a perfect sinless life. He was tempted like you and I are, yet he did not sin. There is no temptation that you could go through that Jesus did not experience. We talked about it this week in our Connect group. There's nothing you could go through that Jesus did not experience. And you know what he experienced? He experienced it for you. He willfully, he could have called on angels, he could have called his disciples together, but he willfully gave himself over to the soldiers, he willfully was beaten and spit upon and mocked and hung on a cross, unable to be recognized as a man, bled and died for you. It's the gospel. The gospel doesn't end there. We don't serve a dead savior. We don't serve a savior who simply sacrificed his life for us. We serve a savior who three, day, three days later rose in victory over death, over hell over sin. You know why he did that? To show you that you have a new life. A life abundant to the full that he has for you. That is the gospel this morning. That is the gospel that takes you from death to life. That is the gospel this morning that brings you from hell to heaven. That is the gospel this morning that reconnects you and reintroduces you to your creator God because sin has separated you. That's the gospel this morning. And I ask you, What thing do you lack? 
What one thing do you lack that is stopping you from believing the gospel? Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.